Okay, all right, praises be to our loving Father, brothers and sisters, that we are again gathered together to study His words and His commandments. Tonight we'll talk about the throne in heaven, which is really a study of Revelation chapter 4 and the verses 1. Now, last week we completed our study concerning the seven assemblies or the seven churches and learned from our King Yahushua what we need to do to overcome, and by overcoming, we will sit on the throne together with our King Yahushua. And so after we finished our studies concerning the seven assemblies, we actually finished the second section of the book of Revelation, because the book of Revelation is basically outlined into three sections. Uh, we finished the assemblies, the study of the seven churches, and by doing so, we finished the second section according to the outline found in Revelation itself. I think out of all the books in the Holy Bible, it's only the book of Revelation that actually has an outline of the book itself. And we find that the book of Revelation chapter 1 and the verses 19, write these things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. So this is in Revelation chapter 1 verse 19. Apostle John is instructed to write a book, a book that we are to read, because if we read and listen to its message and pay close attention, the Shema, we are going to receive the blessings from Yahuwah and Yahushua. And so Apostle John was instructed to write the things which he has seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. So this provides us with an outline of the book of Revelation. And so when we look at this outline, it's divided into three sections. The things which you have seen, which is the vision that uh, Apostle John was given concerning the resurrected and glorified King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Yahushua HaMashiach. We talked about that in chapter 1. And the things which are refers to the letters to the seven churches or the seven assemblies in chapters 2 and 3. We finish that. And so now we move to the next section of Revelation, the things which will take place after this. And this was, this is depicted in Revelation chapter 4 all the way to Revelation chapter 22, the last chapter of the book of Revelation. So now let's go to the third section. Revelation 4 verse 1, after these things I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. How great is that? <laughs> to see a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. And so after the Apostle John writes about the seven churches or the seven assemblies, or after receiving the message about the seven assemblies, he all of a sudden hears a voice and he sees a door opening in heaven. And then the invitation is given to him. How fantastic is that invitation? You see a door opening in heaven and then you hear a voice that sounds like a trumpet. And the voice says to you, come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. And so this tells us the third section is beginning, right? Which are the things that will take place after this. And so the Apostle John is invited to go up to heaven. And what happens next? Verse 2, immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. So the Apostle John is going to be given a vision of what's going to happen in the future but before that happens when he gets to heaven the bible says the first thing that he sees is a throne right a throne in heaven and one sat on the throne so that's something we need to always remember and we'll go back to it again later on because it's so very relevant and important that there's someone who sits on the throne. And so before the vision of what's going to happen in the future is given, the throne is first seen by the Apostle John, reminding the Apostle John that everything that happens in the future is controlled by the authority of the one who sits on the throne. And so we need to understand who the one is who sits on the throne because he's the one who makes and allows all things to happen. And so we can see here the connection between heaven and earth. And throughout scripture, 
from Revelation 4 all the way to Revelation 22, we see there's a correspondence between what happens in heaven and what happens here on earth. So it begins in heaven and it has an effect on earth. We'll see that throughout the breaking of the seals, the blowing of the trumpets, and the bowls. And so we need to know the throne and the one who sits on that throne. So John, when he ascends to heaven, he sees the throne. How did he get to heaven? I don't know. He, he himself says, I was in the spirit. Well, what does that mean? That he was in the spirit. Does it mean he was there in heaven, including his physical body? Or was it just his soul or spirit that was in heaven? Or is it both? His total being, were they in heaven? It's hard to tell. We cannot conclusively say yes or no. In fact, it, this is similar to what happened to the Apostle uh, Paul, because it wasn't just Apostle John who was taken to heaven, who also was taken to heaven. If we go back to 2 Corinthians 12, 1 to 4, this boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations uh, from the Lord. I'm going to pause there for a while. Who is the one speaking here? It's the Apostle Paul. And so he's telling us about what happened to him and about the visions and revelations he got from the Lord. And in verse 2, he says, I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words, things no human is allowed to tell. And so Apostle Paul, just like the Apostle John, was caught up into the third heaven, into paradise. Apostle Paul, when he was in heaven, he saw things and heard things that could not be expressed in words, and he was not allowed to tell them. But Apostle John, this time, he's given the instruction to tell us, right? Apostle Paul, when he was up there, he said, don't tell anyone. John, on the other hand, he's being told, write everything that you see, right? Which is an advantage and a blessing for each and every one of us. But when Apostle Paul was there in heaven, he wasn't sure. <laughs> was I there in the spirit or was it with the body? He doesn't even know. He himself who was there, he doesn't know. He says, only God knows. But the one thing he knows is he was there in heaven. And so Apostle John, when he was in heaven, he's, we cannot really say if he was there completely, including his body, or if it was just his spirit or his soul. However, what we know is he was given a vision, and in this vision, he is to write down what will take place after this. So it begins with him looking at the throne there in heaven. So it's a throne room scene. He sees the throne and one sitting on the throne. And what? how did he describe the one sitting on the throne? Revelation 4 verse 3, And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. And so how does Apostle John describe the one sitting on the throne? Bible says he who sat there was like jasper, sardius stone. There was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. And so it was a majestic experience, a glorious throne. It was not an ordinary throne. After all, it is in heaven. And we know the one who sits on the throne is not just anyone. But we will find out later on who exactly that is. But before we go there, before we identify the one who sits on the throne, perhaps you already know, I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? When you think about the rainbow around the throne, we remember the promise, the covenant that Jehovah made, symbolized by the rainbow, right? The Noahic covenant. And so here we have Yahuwah, we have a throne. I think I kind of gave you the answer, right? You probably already know anyways. And so we have Yahuwah sitting on his throne and there's great glory emanating from that throne. And then he sees something else. So the first thing Apostle John sees is Yahuwah sitting on the throne, right? 
The next thing that he sees, who do you think it is? Let's find out. Revelation 4, verse 4, around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones, I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And so after seeing the throne and Yahuwah on the throne, what also did the Apostle John see there in heaven? He saw 24 other thrones. And who were sitting on the 24 thrones? 24 elders wearing white robes and they had crowns of gold. Question, who were these 24 elders sitting on the 24 thrones? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know who they are because they're not named. The thing that we know about them is that they're 24 elders. However, this has created a controversy, a debate amongst uh, people who study the Bible. Were these 24 elders celestial beings, angels, or were they human beings? That's the great debate. Who are the 24 elders? Are they human beings or are they angels? I believe, this is just my personal belief, okay? I believe they are 24 human beings. They represent human beings. Why do I believe that? What's the reason behind that? Well, let's go ahead and look at this passage. It mentions 24 elders. Angels are never called elders. When we refer to the word elder in Greek, it is presbyteros, and it's always applied to human beings. Elder of age when a person during the christian era is mature enough or has grown in age celestial beings do not get old angelic beings do not get old they're not called elders but human beings who are given an office in the church those who preside over the assemblies for example they're called elders and so elders throughout the Bible are applied not to celestial beings, but to human beings. So that's clue number one, which is why we believe it refers to human beings and not angelic or celestial beings. Clue number two, the Bible says on the thrones. And so these 24 elders, human beings, are on thrones. And when we look at the Holy Scriptures, I don't think there's a passage anywhere where we find angels sitting on thrones. However, there's a promise of our King Yahushua concerning those who will be sitting on thrones. Who are they? His disciples, those who overcome. This is why when we study the letters to the seven assemblies, we see Yahushua's promises to the overcomers, the disciples who follow him and overcome and heed his voice. The Bible says, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. And so the Bible tells us that there are human beings, disciples of Yahushua, who will sit on a throne. And even when Yahushua was here on earth, he also made that promise. Luke 22, 29 to 30, and I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my father bestowed one upon me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So Yahushua, when he was here on earth, when he was in heaven, he gave a promise to those who overcome, they'll be sitting on thrones. Now, what does it mean that, it, that you sit on a throne? The throne symbolizes authority, right? And so when Yahushua says the disciples that belong to him, who overcome and are sitting on thrones, they're given authority. What kind of authority is that? Well, we just studied all about that in the letters to the seven assemblies, because Yahushua also gives a promise to the overcomers. We know what it means that they will sit on thrones. They will be given authority over the nations. In Revelation 2, 26, 27, to him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my father. And so those who overcome, those who are followers of our King Yahusha, those who belong to him 
and fulfill the will of Abba and Yahusha until the end, will they be given authority over the nations? What kind of authority? Bible says they will rule over them. They will co-rule with our king, Yahusha. And this is also backed up by Revelation 20, verse 4. So if we kind of fast forward towards the end of Revelation, Bible says, then I saw thrones and who are sitting on them? Angels, right? Celestial beings, right? No, who are sitting on them? People, people sitting on them and have been given the authority to judge and I saw the souls of those who have been beheaded for their testimony about Yahusha and for proclaiming the word of God. They have not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their forehead or on their hands. They, will, they all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So according to the Holy Scriptures, those who are going to sit on thrones are not celestial beings, but followers of our king, Yahusha who overcome and do his will until the end. And so that's clue number two. What's clue number three? It mentions 24 thrones. Where, where does this 24, number 24 come from? Well, we might have a clue because in 1 Chronicles chapter 24, if you were to read it, the descendants of Aaron, who were the priests in Israel, were divided into 24 sections to determine the order in which they would minister before the Lord. In 1 Chronicles 25, the musicians were divided into 24 sections, and they were responsible for worship in the house of the Lord. So in the Old Testament, during the days of David, during the days of the kingdom, the priesthood were divided into 24 sections. The choir members were divided into 24 sections. And so the number 24, represents the body of worshipers being led by the priest. And so a kingdom of priests that is being indicated by the number 24. And in Revelation 5, 9 to 10, and they sang a new song, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men, human beings, for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. So the number 24 seems to tell us that what is being depicted in this vision that Apostle John had seen is a depiction of the kingdom of priests, which is, of course, those who belong to our king, Yahusha. Okay? And another clue, clue number three, they are clothed in white robes. Yeah, we know that angels are depicted also wearing white, but this is different. They are clothed. In other words, they weren't clothed before, but they will be clothed in white robes. And we know who they are. Again, the overcomers, the followers of Yahusha. Revelation 3, verse, verse 5, he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments and I will not blot out his name from the book of life but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels and so we have a throne room scenario here in Revelation 3 5 in the throne room we have Yahuwah we have Yahusha we have the angels and then we have the overcomers whom Yahusha will testify for and will say that they belong to me and so we have here so many clues that the elders mentioned in Revelation chapter 4 refers to the assembly of Yahusha, the followers, the disciples of our king, Yahusha. What else? What is the last clue? Bible says, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. I don't believe there is any passage in the Holy Scriptures where angels are given a crown, right? But the followers of Yahusha, the overcomers, are they given crowns? Absolutely. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, do not fear any of those which you're about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. In Revelation 3, verse 11, behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. And so those who are given a crown are the disciples of Yahushua who? What's the key word again? 
What was the command of the, the Shema? The Shema, if we are to believe that the structure of the letters to the seven assemblies takes on the structure of a Shema, what was the command? Overcome. What's the promise of those who are overcomers? They will be sitting on thrones, will be given white garments, and they are going to be given crowns of gold. And so we know, and I believe, the 24 elders are human beings, followers of our King Yahusha, who overcome and maintain their obedience to Yahuwah and Yahushua. Well, if that's the case, brother, does that mean when Apostle John went to heaven, there are human beings in heaven already? No. Remember, this is a vision of what's going to happen when? In the future. This is why I believe Revelation chapter 4 gives us pretty much a snapshot of the victorious ones and those who will remain standing after all the future events will take place. And so it's kind of, Yahuwah's kind of telling us the, the, uh, the overcomers together with the angels after all is said and done. So he's giving us kind of a, a, a sneak peek at the back of the book or at the end of the age. And we see the victorious ones represented by the 24 elders. And so this is what um, Apostle John seeks. And so what else does he see after that? Revelation chapter 4 and the verses 5. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. We all know what the seven spirits of God represent. That's the Holy Spirit, the Ruach, right? Which is manifested in seven, in a sevenfold way, which we talked about in Isaiah. Uh, I believe when we studied Revelation chapter 1, the seven lampstands. Remember, the assembly is like a lampstand. And here, Apostle John sees a lamp. You have a lamp and a lampstand, right? To complete the burning lamp. And so we have um, the, the seven spirits, which are the seven lamps of fire that Yahuwah sends into all the world. So Yahuwah, he sees the throne. He sees the 24 elders. He sees the seven lamps as a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. What else does he see? Revelation chapter 4 and verse 6. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. This is unusual. I wonder what Apostle John was thinking when he saw the four living creatures. I don't know. But when you find a description like this, the four living creatures full of eyes in the front and in the back, what are they going to think? I've never seen anything like that before. Apostle John has never seen anything like that before. And so what could this all mean? Who are the four living creatures? I have no idea, right? Obviously, they're not human beings because no human beings have lots and lots of eyes in the front and in the back. Also, these four living creatures, they are probably celestial beings. These four living creatures are described further by Apostle John in verses 7 to 8. The first living creatures was, uh, the first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. And so that's a strange figure. The four living creatures, or four different creatures that he saw, right? One was like a lion. The other one, the second one, was like an ox. The third was like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. So we have a sequence here, right? A sequence because it's numbered. And so we have number one, a lion. Number two, an ox. Number three, a man. Number four, a flying eagle. So we look at that sequentially. These are the four living creatures. It's strange because in the New King James versions and in other versions of the Holy Bible, instead of an ox, it uses calf. The first living creature was like a lion. 
second living creature like a calf, the third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. And so in the two, tra in the two translations compared, um, some differ in describing the second living creature. Some call it an ox, others call it what? A calf, an ox, a calf. I think it both can work when we look at it later on. But what we know is this. What do they have in common? Well, the Bible says each of them, they have six wings. You know, that tells us a big, that gives us a big clue because there are those who say that the Bible mentions creatures from heaven who had six wings. Who were they? In Isaiah chapter 6, 2 down to 3, above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is Yahuwah of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So could it be possible that the four living creatures are seraphim? Now, one might also inject that in the book of Ezekiel, it mentions the four living creatures as well with four faces. But the, this, the difference between the one in Ezekiel and the one in Revelation is in Ezekiel, each of the four living creatures had the four faces. But in Revelation, each one had a separate face, right? Um, so could it be seraphim? Could it be cherubim? We don't really know. But what's interesting is to look at what seraphim does. What do they do? What do these angels who had six wings do? They glorified and worshiped too. Yahuwah, because it says, holy, holy, holy is Yahuwah of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And when we go to Revelation 4, verse 8, it says here, the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest. They are night saying, holy, 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 Yahuwah God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Do you see a pattern there? It seems like the one who have six wings, their duty day and night is to worship Yahuwah. In this case, they were singing to them, to Yahuwah, holy, 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 Yahuwah God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So that's a big clue. It could be a seraphim, right? And so these are celestial beings, seraphim or cherubim or something else. It's really not that relevant to our salvation. And so it could be anything. I mean, if Yahuwah does not fully disclose to us who they are, it doesn't really matter. What matters is they worship who? Yahuwah. What matters is what it wants to, what it's being communicated to us, and that is to praise Yahuwah. Now, why are they praising Yahuwah? Why are they singing hymns to Yahuwah? I believe there's a reason for that. And this is just my personal belief, okay? Um, I believe the reason why is because there's a message being communicated here, which is symbolized by lion, calf, man, and flying eagle. Remember, the language of the Old Testament is Hebrew, right? Hebrew. And Hebrew, ancient Hebrew, anyways, uses pictographs. And each of the letters has a meaning. And so, much of Hebrew, ancient Hebrew is symbolical in its alphabet. Each alphabet has a meaning, right? And so when we look at this portion of scripture, when Yahuwah is giving Apostle John a vision, and in this vision, he sees a, a, the first living creature that looks like a lion, next a calf, next a man, next a flying eagle, I believe it's communicating to us a message. And because of this message, the seraphim, or the four living creatures, are praising Yahuwah. So what could this message be contained in the symbols? Because symbols in Hebraic use contains messages, a message that communicates to us something Yahuwah wants people to know. What could that be? The symbolism of the four living creatures. Now, when I went to Google, you know, how others kind of like portray the lion, the ox, the man, the flying eagle, you, they came up with so many different ideas, but they're kind of off the wall. However, 
I would like to suggest, okay, again, this is just my own um, idea. We don't have to believe this, but this is how I see it, okay? And like what we do in the assembly, we're, what we're presenting here is not dogmatic, okay? Uh, because what we're pertaining here, whether we believe this or not, will not really affect our salvation. If you really want to focus and make sure of your salvation, focus on chapter two and chapter three. Those are the meat. <laughs> Those are the core of uh, Revelation. If you want to be truly blessed, focus on chapter two and chapter three. However, I believe the symbolism used by the four living creatures, lion, ox, man, flying eagle. And remember, when we look at the symbols presented in the book of Revelation, we have to understand how they were used prior to Revelation. So the whole book of the Holy Bible, right? The Old Testament, they tell us what these symbols mean. For example, lion. When we look at lion, what does that symbolize? Lion of Judah. What does lion symbolize? King, right? It symbolizes a king. Lion, king of the jungle. That doesn't come from the Bible. But the Judah represents king. Or lion represents king. How about an ox or a calf? What do they represent? If we look at scripture often, the ox is a symbol of servitude, right? A servant, the ox will serve. This is why when Yahushua was here, he said to yoke yourselves with me. He was borrowing an idiom of oxing to, of uh, yoking to oxen because oxen represent servanthood right? And calf represents what is to be offered as a sacrifice, right? Especially when you read the book of Zechariah, it speaks of the calf to be worshipped. And so we have lion representing king or symbolizing king, ox and calf, they symbolize serving, sacrifice, right? Now when we look at man, well, that's pretty easy. Man represents human beings, right? And then flying eagle, what do we know about the flying eagle? It's flying upward to heaven. And so this is symbolizing ascension to heaven. And so when we look at the symbols together, sequentially, because it's number, right? First creature number one, creature number two, number three, number four. If we look at it sequentially, do you know what it tells us? Doesn't it tell us a story? Do you see a story there? Huh? What is the story about? It's about a king. What does the king do? He comes to serve, not only to serve, but to sacrifice himself. A king who came to serve and to sacrifice himself, what for? So that human beings will be able to ascend where? What is that called? That's called the gospel message, right? And so when you look at the symbolism of the four living creatures, it communicates to us the gospel message how this king of kings came to serve, even to sacrifice himself on the cross, and by means of his death and resurrection, allows human beings to receive the spirit. And the spirit empowers them to ascend to the kingdom of heaven. Does that make sense? Right? This is why if you, if you read the book of Isaiah 40, verse 31, when it speaks about eagles, remember? How you will mount on eagles' wings and you will fly and run and weak and walk and not go weary. And so it is empowerment through the spirit of Yahuwah all the way until you reach the destination of heaven. And so the gospel message is communicated by the symbolism of the lion, the ox, the man, and the flying eagle, the king, who is Yahusha, came to serve and to sacrifice himself so that we human beings can receive the Holy Spirit so that we will be able to ascend also to heaven to become sons and daughters of Abba, which is what the seraphims, the four living creatures, are praising Yahuwah for. That's why after that, the four living creatures are praising Yahuwah. And it's not just the four living creatures who are praising Yahuwah. Because of the work of the gospel, Yahusha, right? As portrayed by the four living creatures, the 24 elders, human beings from earth, are able to join them in heaven. That's why in the throne room vision of the Apostle John, we see the celestial angels, 
depicted by the four living creatures, and human beings depicted by the 24 elders because of the work of the gospel, because of the work of Yahushua, because of the sacrifice human beings are able to go and ascend to heaven. This is why whenever the four living creatures would praise Yahuwah, you know who joins them? Let's read the final passages of Revelation 4. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Yahuwah, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. Doesn't that make sense? And so the gospel message and the gospel work and the one who is the main character of the gospel work is of course Yahushua because of the work of our King Yahushua, the 24 elders can join the four living creatures to be in heaven to worship who forever? Yahuwah, the one who sits on the throne. That's kind of the goal of the gospel. The goal of the gospel is to take us to be with Yahuwah in heaven so that we can worship Yahuwah together with the angels. The one who sits on the throne through Yahushua. This is why we have the, uh, the singing of praise. You are worthy, O Yahuwah, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. This is actually the second doxology. We read the first doxology uh, in Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. Remember when the seraphim, the four living creatures, were praising Yahuwah? That was the first doxology because in Revelation there are 14 doxologies and they're very informing and when we when we finish all 14 doxologies we'll go back to it and look at the pattern of the 14 doxologies in the book of revelation so far we have two right the first one and this one okay and so in this doxology its purpose and aim is to introduce us by name to identify the one who sits where on the throne <laughs> and this is really the whole point of revelation chapter 4. revelation chapter 4 begins as is the creation of all things begins with the one who sits on the throne this is why when apostle john was invited to go to heaven the first thing he sees is the throne that's the genesis of all things the throne there in heaven and the one who sat on the throne. Now we know who, it, who the one who sits on the throne is because the praising, the doxologies tell us who he is. Who is he? Yahuwah. Holy, holy, holy Yahuwah God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. You are worthy, O Yahuwah, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. So now we know the one who sits on the throne. It is God Almighty, and his name is Yahuwah. What's fascinating about these first two doxologies is it tells us the actual meaning of the name of Yahuwah. If you still remember in Exodus 3, 13 and 15, what Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Yahuwah, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to, uh, my name to remember for all generations even the generations therein where in heaven this is why those who say oh we should not use the name Yahuwah. bible says this is the name that is eternal this is the name to be remembered by all generations because it is the name that will be on the throne to identify the one who sits on the throne 
But you notice how significant this name is. Because in Hebrew, when people are given a name, it basically de depicts the name fits their work. The name fits who they are, right? And so the name of Yahuwah is descriptive of who he is. And so when Moses asks God, when the people of Israel will ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? You notice what Yahuwah said? Tell them the one who sent you is, I am who I am. Now, there are those who mistakenly think that the name of Yahuwah is, I am who I am. No. When Yahuwah said, I am who I am, he's describing who he is, but he hasn't given the name yet. What does he give the name? In verse 15. What is that name? Yahuwah. That's the tetragrammaton, right? That's the name we find 7,000 times in the Old Testament alone. And so when Yahuwah says, that is my eternal name, he was referring to the tetragrammaton, not I am who I am. I am who I am is basically the meaning of Yahuwah. So when people ask him, what does Yahuwah mean? It means I am who I am. Well, that's kind of enigmatic. What does that mean? I am who I am. Well, let's go ahead and take a look at what, what that means. When we look at the Hebrew of I am who I am, right? This is the how it kind of looks like in modern Hebrew. And it is from the root word haya for I am, and aser for that or for who, and haya. So haya, aser, haya. And when we look at the Hebrew word for haya, it means what? To be, to become, to exist, right? Another definition is to come into being. And so the word haya is about existence. It's about coming into being. But take note of how Yahuwah describes himself. He doesn't say he is just haya, right? When we look at how the word haya is used, there is an aleph in front of it. You notice that? And so instead of being to be, and so instead of to be, it becomes I am who I am. And so the name I am who I am follows the meaning of existence because he says, I am who I am, the existing one who exists. Basically, who was telling us he was the, the self-existent one, right? He's the self-existent one who causes all things to exist. I am who I am. So it gets the, the, the essence of, uh, of uh, haya, which is to exist and to cause to exist, haya. And so when Yahuwah says, I am who I am, it means he is the self-existent one who causes all things to exist. That's the meaning of Yahuwah. Now, can we confirm this biblically? Absolutely. Not only can we confirm it using the, the meaning of Hebrew, we can also confirm it in the doxology. Did you see that? In the doxology, in Revelation. Look at it. The two doxologies, Revelation 4.8, Revelation 4.11, right? Yahuwah. A holy, holy, holy Yahuwah, God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. What does that mean? The self-existent one. Meaning he has no beginning. He has no end. He is the self-existent one. No one had to create him. And at the same time, Yahuwah also means what? For you created all things. And by your will they exist and were created. And so the meaning, the definition... The complete meaning of the name Yahuwah was told to us. Not only here, but also in Exodus. What does it mean? The name Yahuwah means the self-existent one who causes all things to exist. Why is that important? It's important because Apostle John needed to understand that the one the one who sits on the throne is not just somebody, but he's the self-existent one who created all things to exist. Why did Apostle John need to know that? Because when Apostle John was writing this letter, it was during a tumultuous time in Christianity. 
because the Roman emperors, they were systematically killing and destroying all the followers of Yahushua, all the way to the third century. There was a systematic killing, slaughtering, persecution of the followers of Yahushua. When you were living during that time, perhaps you were asking, is God still here? Is God still alive? Right? And so when John enters the throne, what does he see? The throne is not empty. <laughs> There's someone who's on the throne, and that someone who's on the throne is in control of all things. Why? Because he's the self-existent one who causes all things to exist. You know what that means? Everything that happened from history, everything that happened from history happened by permission of Yahuwah. And everything that happens from then on until today, until the last days, will not happen unless it is ordained by the one who sits on the throne. Who is he? Yahuwah. What does that mean? The self-existent one who causes all things to exist. This is why we need to know that today too. Because nowadays, there's so many things happening in, in our society. There's a lot of threats and dangers and diseases. The world is falling apart, economic collapse. And the perhaps people are thinking, is there really a God? Why is this all happening? The answer is yes. There is the one who is in control. There is one who sits on the throne, who directs all things. Who is he? Yahuwah, the self-existent one who causes all things to exist. Yahuwah Almighty is to be praised. And Apostle John, when he saw the throne, he also saw the lamps, which represents what? The spirit of Yahuwah. In Revelation chapter 1, we know the lampstand, the seven assemblies, they represent the lampstand, right? We are the assembly today. We represent the lampstand. Now, what does Yahuwah want us to know? He wants us to know that Yahuwah, through his spirit, can cause that lampstand to, to light up. In other words, when we feel down, when we feel discouraged, we should go to Yahuwah and ask Yahuwah to light up our lampstand. How? By sending the Holy Spirit. Because ever since the very beginning of time, Yahuwah worked through the power of His Spirit. And even today, it is by His Spirit and the giving of His Spirit that we are empowered, that we will be able to overcome, which is what Yahushua wants us to do, to overcome, right? And so we should ask for the Spirit of Yahuwah. And in Isaiah 11, 1 to 2, there are seven different manifestations of the Spirit. The Spirit of Yahuwah, right? The Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of might, the Spirit of knowledge, and the fear of Yahuwah. So we need, we need to ask we need to depend upon the work of the Holy Spirit in us so that we can overcome. Because if you remember in the letter of Yahusha to the seven assemblies, the one thing we need to do is to overcome. Yahu was telling us how to overcome through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when Apostle John enters the throne, he sees Yahuwah Elohim. He's the creator. He's the creator of all existence, right? And he's also the director of everything that's happening. So if we were to kind of think of the book of Revelation as a movie, you know, if you think of Revelation as a movie, Revelation chapter one, before the movie starts, it's like Apostle John was being introduced to the main characters. First and foremost, the writer. The writer, who is that? Yahuwah is the author, he's the creator, and then he's introduced to the next character, the four living creatures, who are representing the worshipers from heaven, and then he sees the 24 elders, these are the worshipers from earth, who because of the gospel, end up in, find their way to heaven, right? But do you notice, of the main characters in the throne room of heaven, someone's missing. <laughs> uh -huh. Who's missing? Who's missing 
in this throne room. Yeah, Yahushua. But he should not, he's, he's, he's actually not missing. It's impossible for him to be missing. You know why? Because even before Abraham was born, Yahushua was already in the mind of Yahuwah as the Logos. Even before creation, Yahushua was already planned for. And what is that plan for? Colossians 1, 15 and 16. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, including the principalities, including the angels, right? Visible and invisible were the thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And so when Apostle John was introduced, when he was taken to heaven and he saw the director and and author and writer of the movie called Revelation, right? Which is the unfolding of the world and the earth. When Apostle John was asked to go there, he was introduced to the main characters, the protagonists, not the villains, because only the protagonists will remain standing in the end, right? So he introduced the protagonists. But where's the star of the show? Where's the main character? Where's the main protagonist? Why is he not in Revelation chapter 4? That's because he will make his appearance in Revelation chapter 5. And his appearance will be a grand one. This is why Revelation chapter 5 in our next VHP, we're going to entitle it the grand entrance. <laughs> when Yahusha enters the scene it is so dramatic and it's so powerful and it's so grand it's awesome and we can't wait to share it with you when we talk about revelation chapter 5 the grand entrance of the hero the main character of the story of creation the creator yahuwah and the one who is the masterpiece the main character of this creator of, of the creator will be introduced to us in a dramatic way in a grand way in revelation chapter 5 okay all right that's our lesson for today thank you for joining our bible study before we go ahead and pray let us all stand and let us continue to praise everlasting father almighty and gracious yahuwah abba thank you so much for we have so much to look forward to you know, you sit on your throne and you direct all things. Nothing happens without your permission. And so, Father, we place our hope, our trust into your mighty hands. We worship you as our Father. Yahuwah Almighty, great indeed are your deeds. Wonderful is your love, your compassion, which allowed for you to send your son that by means of his death, we can have the hope of being with you to worship you forevermore. Yes. Our King and loving Mashiach Yahushua, yes. we implore you to please be merciful, yes. to be gracious to each one of us. Yes. May you strengthen our faith yes. and endow upon us the power of your spirit. Amen. Please strengthen us, yes. loving Mashiach. Yes. Strengthen us, Yahushua. Yes. Help us to overcome yes. that we may be together with you when you return. Amen. Father, please forgive our sins. Yes. Bless all of us as we worship you yes. and help us to prepare ourselves to receive your promise everlasting life. Amen. We ask everything, Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.